Now we're going to stand. If you will stand with me, we've got a passage to read about Easter. Yes, Luke chapter 24. Oh, that might be kind of small. You might have to just let me read it. All right. That's okay. It's my fault. I put those in there. So it's great. It works for my eyes. Barely. Actually, I might have to go. Uh, All right. Let me read this for you. Luke 24, 1 to 6. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son. And Jesus, we thank you for coming and paying the price for our sin on the cross. But Lord, it didn't end on that Friday. No, Sunday came and you resurrected from the dead, proving your power over death, proving your power over sin and freeing us from uh, the chains that bind us to death and sin. Lord, we thank you for your amazing goodness. We thank you that you have resurrected on our behalf, not Not just to defeat sin, but to join with us in intimate relationship. May you be glorified in this place today. Lord, will you inspire our praise and thanksgiving. Help us to belt these songs out with more gusto than normal. Help us to experience you in mighty and wonderful and beautiful ways for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, first through fifth grade, you are dismissed over into a children's center. Middle school and high school, you're with Xavier down in the youth room. The rest of us, let's continue to praise the Lord. The life you gave, your body was broken, your love poured out. Letting you die for me there on the cross. You breathed your last as you were crucified. You gave it all for me. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah. 
about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The chasm that lay between. 
through your Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the way of everlasting life. We ask that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of our sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. He is risen. You guys like the new uh, chairs? Yeah. You okay with that? Yeah. It's kind of cool. I like it. I like, it kind of feels like I, you know, I see somebody else instead of just the people on stage, right? I can look through us. Oh, hey, look at, I know them. Hi. Yeah, that's good. That back row, that's a challenge. Ray, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting out if you got to go. <laughs> I'll try not to preach too long. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Easter, it's here. It's the greatest day of celebration for Christians. Amen? Amen. We gather here to remember the resurrection of our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. In rising from the dead, Jesus proves that he is more powerful than sin and death. He proves that he is indeed the Son of God. He proves that he is the undisputed champion of the world. (laughs) He, Jesus, choosing to come, suffer, die, and then roll back the stone and triumphantly leave an empty tomb proves that he loves us. That he loves you. We are not a mistake that he can just erase and throw away. He made us on purpose and for a purpose. We cannot be replaced with just another batch of humans. We are indispensably valuable to him and he is still pursuing us to this day. He loves us so much and was so unwilling to give up on us that he died and raised from the dead to save us. Consider the story of Doubting Thomas. John 20, 24 to 29, I believe I have it on the screen. Someday it'll come (laughs) or I'll just open it and it'll be great. Hey, we can have the words of God right here in my hands. We got it? All right. Oh, yeah. Is that Matt? Oh, that's Matthew. That's not the one. So that's all right. You know, what's a Sunday without a couple of little glitches here? All right. John chapter 20, verse 24 to 29. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin, was not with them. When Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas is a man who loved Jesus, but who would not be taken as a fool. He prided himself on being a logical thinker who demanded factual evidence before determining what was true. Therefore, after the death and burial of Jesus, when the other disciples came to him claiming that they had seen Jesus alive, he insisted they provide proof. When none is given, he declares the only proof worthy of convincing him that Jesus had indeed resurrected from the dead. He must put his finger in the nail marks and his hand in his side. Now it's important to know that Jesus didn't owe Thomas anything. 
If Jesus had never showed himself to Thomas and Thomas chose then to never believe that he resurrected, it would not have been Jesus' fault. The fact is, millions have never stood before our resurrected Lord, yet still believe. But how gracious of Jesus to show himself to Thomas. But we also must understand that Jesus was not just showing himself to Thomas. He was showing himself to all who will come after Thomas as well. The story of this doubting disciple is precious because it reveals the personal intimacy that Jesus desires to have with his people. Jesus did not ignore Thomas and think that it didn't matter if he never believed. No, Jesus longed to know Thomas and to be known by him. And it would have been enough just for Jesus to show up and stretch out his arms and say, well, here I am. It would have made sense that Thomas, being faced with the resurrected Lord standing before him, would have been enough to relieve him of his doubt. But Jesus goes further and sweetly and kindly appears to Thomas and invites him in. Put your fingers here. Put your hand here. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't wag his finger at him. He invites him to deeper intimacy. Come, feel what I have suffered, Jesus says. Come, experience the pain and the struggle that I've endured on your behalf. Come, be one with me. Church, this is why Jesus died. And this is why Jesus raised from the dead. Not to be able to brag about how great and powerful he is, but to be able to invite us into communion with him. Jesus went through the torture, the punishment, the shame, and the excruciating death in order to be united with his people, to be united with you. Some here today think that you know Jesus, but you don't. Sure, you know about him, have heard people talk about him, have read some about what has been written about him, even have taken some time to pray to him and probably serve him a little bit. But to know Jesus requires more. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Jesus speaks these frightful words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow. Do you hear that? Entering the kingdom of God means we are in relationship with Jesus. It's not just about believing Jesus was a real person who lived a couple thousand years ago. It's not just about thinking he was a good guy who gave us some good morals to live by. It's not simply accepting that he died on the cross and then rose from the grave. More than that, just because you braved him doesn't necessarily mean you've entered the kingdom of heaven. Even if you proclaim his praises, his truths, and work on his behalf, you may not be known by Jesus, and thereby all that you're doing is considered by Jesus to be lawlessness. We can be tempted to look at these verses and think, wow, Jesus is pretty fickle. <laughs> I mean, if we're praying to him and telling other people about him and even driving out demons in his name, why is that not enough? Seriously, for some who's who, who's supposed to be so for someone who's supposed to be so full of grace, <laughs> where's the grace for the people who are doing their best? Where's the grace for those who believe he's real and are trying to please him? Where's the grace for the ones who are working on his behalf? The fact is, Scripture clearly tells us that God is a jealous God who demands that his way is the only way. 
Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Isaiah 55.9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, declares the Lord. But before declaring God an emotionally unstable, self-absorbed entity with unrealistic expectations and harsh judgments for those who don't toe his line, we must ask the question, what is God jealous for? Certainly, he is jealous for worship and glory as the greatest entity that exists inside and outside of creation He expects to be honored as such. As the one who gave all life and sustains all life, he rightly longs for life to be thankful for what he's done for them. As the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, and all-loving creator of the universe, he demands we live in accordance with his will. But here's the kicker. The way we appease God, the way we satisfy his jealousy, the way we worship him is through relational intimacy. The reason Jesus says prayer, service, and sacrifice is not enough to enter the kingdom of heaven is because the only way to enter is through choosing intimacy with him. The reason he declares at the end, I never knew you, is because while they were doing a bunch of stuff to try and appease him, they weren't doing the one thing they needed to do. Jesus doesn't want us to just know about him, talk about him, read about him, serve him, and pray to him. He wants us to know him. Entrance in the kingdom of God is not through sacrifice, it's through relationship. I use this phrase quite a bit, bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, when talking about becoming a Christian. While it is a descriptive, it can be misleading. It's descriptive in the sense that he is Lord. The only way for a true relationship with someone is to accept them as they are. If we don't accept Jesus as Lord, we can't be in relationship with him. Because we are refusing to accept who he actually is. But this phrase can be misleading in the sense that we can think that our relationship with Jesus is one of master and servant. John 15, 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Servants don't know what their master is doing. And they are not required to have an intimacy with him. But Jesus has called us into intimate relationship so we can join him in what he is doing. He doesn't want disconnected workers just blindly following his commands. He wants co-laborers who will understand the importance of his work and willingly choose to work alongside of him. Worshiping God is not about cold, heartless repetition. It's about personal, deep, unique connection with our creator. We freely give honor to him for who he is. We willingly sing his praises. We enthusiastically come to enjoy sweet communion with him. Why? Because the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, all-good creator of all life loves us and desires for us to love him in return. On Easter morning, As we commemorate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and celebrate his defeat of sin and death, we cannot forget the reason he endured so much. Jesus didn't willingly suffer and die so he could buy himself billions of servants. Shoot, if he wanted servants, he could have have created us without his image and without free will. He would have just made a bunch of unfeeling, unthinking, unrebellious robots. 
Moreover, if he wanted beings created in his image and with free will to be his servants, he would not have come to die for them. He would have just destroyed the whole defiant lot and started over. No, the reason Jesus took on flesh and willingly suffered and died was to demonstrate his deep love for us and to show us how much he desired to be with us, to join us in intimate relationship. I stand before you this morning to proclaim to those who truly know Jesus and those who just know about him that the reason he received punishment, shame, and death was so you would understand how desperate he is to be united with you. He wants you to know how much he's willing to sacrifice to enjoy intimacy with you. He longs for you to realize that he created you to be in loving relationship with him and that you are so valuable to him, he willingly accepted torture, mocking, and rejection. You are worth all that he suffered. But he didn't just die for you. He also rose for you. He defeated death so that his relationship with you wouldn't be temporary, but eternal. He is not calling you into communion with a dead person who lived some 2,000 years ago. He's calling you to connect with the one who is the living, active word of God. He is still pursuing you. Amen. To know you and to be known by you. He is standing before you. Right now, like he did Thomas, inviting you to unite with him. To feel the pain he suffered, to enjoy his love, to allow him to feel your pain and to enjoy your love in return. For those of you who already know Jesus, be encouraged. There is more to know. There is greater intimacy. Don't settle for being his acquaintance. Don't accept a long-range relationship with Jesus. Move in with him. He is not just the type of friend you call once a month, month or even once a week. He is a best friend who you share every moment of your life with. You share your joys. You share your sorrows. You even share your ice cream with him. (laughs) Don't be satisfied with just being one of his buddies. He is the bridegroom. And you are the bride. Keep diving into relationship with Jesus until it becomes the closest of all your relationships. Where he's the one you think about the most. He's the first one you want to tell about your day. He's the one you can't do without. Church, don't settle for less. There is more. He's the first one you want to tell. He's the first one that you think about. He's the first one you want to praise. In relationship with Jesus, there is more. So keep striving for more. Don't settle. For those who are here today and only know about Jesus, heard about Jesus, serve him or pray to him, let me introduce you to the one who is calling you into intimacy with him. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is not calling you to be a servant. He is calling you to rest. The life you've been living to this point is filled with constant striving to try and be enough, be successful, be accepted, but never feeling like you've made it or ever will. You work so hard to protect your reputation, to build your nest egg, to maintain relationships with family and friends, but the whole world seems to be working against you. 
Each success is quickly followed by failure. Your life is like a Sour Patch Kid where every moment of sweetness is quickly overcome with lingering sourness. But Jesus says, come to me. He knows the rat race that you've been running. And he wants you to know that you are not created for that race. He knows the disappointment, the failure, the despair you feel. And he wants you to know he has made you for success. Success not as the world defines it, but as he does. And how does he define success? John 17, 3 And this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Success in God's eyes is enjoying intimate relationship with him. The moment you bow your knee to Jesus as Lord, you are immediately considered success by the one who knows you best and who knit you together in your mother's womb. Being united with Jesus is what you were created for. And it is the whole purpose of your life. So maybe you like what you're hearing. Maybe escaping the crowded freeway of life spent trying to find the oh-so-elusive American dream sounds refreshing. Maybe the idea of rest and enjoying immediate success is something that appeals to you. If so, then it is time to throw off the sin that has entangled you and focus your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, Jesus. It's time for you to accept what you know about Jesus and choose to give your life to seeking to know him more and more each day. And how do you do that? Paul tells us in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Furthermore, John tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive you of sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And finally, Jesus says in John 3, verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Choose to follow the truths expressed in these three verses and you get rewarded with a wonderful, powerful, and eternal relationship with Jesus. First, you need to confess Jesus is Lord and believe God raised him from the dead. What does that mean? It means you admit personally and publicly that Jesus is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving, and he created you to be in intimate relationship with him. In addition, you accept that Jesus died on the cross and triumphantly rose again in powerful display of his strength over sin and death and his deep love for you. Second, you would need to admit that you have lived in rebellion to the way of life that he created for you and confess your rejection of his love and good plans for your life. And third, well, third is actually not something you need to do or say. It's just something you need to receive. After confessing Jesus is Lord, accepting that he died on the cross for you and admitting you sinned against him, God the Father proclaims that you are forgiven. Jesus, as Lord, washes you with his spirit. And his spirit unites you with with him in intimate relationship. You are born again. You are saved. You are successful. You have an intimate relationship relationship with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody here want to start an intimate relationship with Jesus? I know it's a little bold of me to say raise a hand, but raise a hand. Let's get this done. Amen. Yeah. What's that? Oh, well, you can do it every day. Every, every morning when you wake up, you should uh, you know, confess your faith to Jesus. Are you coming for another? She's coming forward again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hi, Bella. Good to see you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone want to start their relationship with Jesus right now? Easter morning. Okay, I'm going to let the tension go. But I'm going to say, don't leave today without it. 
If you don't already know Jesus, have that intimate relation, not just know about him, not just read about him, not just pray to him, but actually know Jesus in that intimate relationship with him, then do not leave this place today without getting somebody around you who's invited you to come today or who's sitting next to you and just say, hey, I want just Jesus. I want to have that intimate intimate relationship and make it happen right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Bella. We thank you for your goodness in her life that has already been proven and how you continue to draw her in to greater and greater intimacy with you. We thank you for her courage to stand once again, to come and to declare once again that she needs and wants more of you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come now, Lord, and you would fill her once again, Lord, refresh her and allow her to experience a new infilling, a new indwelling of your spirit in a powerful and mighty and beautiful way for your glory and for her blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bella. Okay, now that uh, the worship team has come up, I've got a little bit more here to go, but that's all right. We're going to go. Settle in. It might be, you might feel like playing a chord or two. It's going to be great. Uh, okay. Now that all of us are diving deeper into relationship with Jesus, let me take this Easter occasion to encourage in one more area. Christians throughout the last 2,000 years have seen baptism as a fitting way to unite with Jesus and give public testimony of their commitment to Jesus as Lord. While baptism is not required for salvation, It does unite us with Jesus because not only did he do it in commemoration of the start of his years of ministry, but baptism also symbolizes our joining with Jesus in his death and resurrection. Paul writes in Romans 6, 3 to 4, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When we choose to get baptized, we unite with Jesus in commemorating the start of our joining with Jesus in his ministry. In addition, our dip below the baptismal waters symbolizes our choice to die to sin and the old way of living. And then our coming up from the depths symbolizes our raising to new life with Jesus. Amen. We are symbolically united with Jesus in his death for sin and resurrection to eternal life. Finally, baptism is a nonverbal way to let your friends and family know that you are in intimate relationship with Jesus and are committed to join him in all that he is doing. While there are many here like me who have already chosen to unite with Jesus in this way, there are also many who have yet to do so. Out on the patio, we have filled the baptismal tub with warm 80-degree-ish water. And it's waiting to receive those who choose today to follow Jesus in this symbolic ordinance. I have several who have already expressed interest in being baptized today, but it's my sense that there are others who will join them today. If you are one of those who just a few minutes ago entered intimate relationship with Jesus, or you're still sitting on the fence and going, and then you choose to do so, if you're one of those folks, uh, then I strongly urge you to help seal that decision in your heart by joining me and Jesus in the baptismal after service. On the other hand, if you are one of those who've known Jesus for some time, but haven't ever chosen to be baptized, I'd exhort you to let go of whatever has been holding you back or simply stop procrastinating and make this Easter day the day you unite with Jesus in this special way. Finally, there are some here who were raised in a different denomination and were baptized as an infant. While some of you may be satisfied with your baptism and feel no need to repeat it, others may be refusing believer's baptism simply because of your fear of embarrassment of being up front. I mean, after all, I was already baptized as an infant. I mean, why do I need to get up in front of everybody and all that kind of stuff? If so, may the Spirit convict you of your poor excuse. (laughs) Amen. May He remind you of the shame Jesus endured on your behalf on the cross. And may He empower you with courage to proclaim Jesus publicly today. 
So, if you have never united with Jesus in this public way, for whatever reason, I encourage you to prayerfully consider taking advantage of this occasion to follow his lead. Don't be worried about not having change of clothes. It's a beautiful sunny day, amen? Don't be concerned about what others think. Be only concerned with what Jesus wants. If he's calling you to baptism, don't hesitate to join him and join him today. All right, let's land Let's move on. Let's sing some more. Church, Easter is the greatest day of Christian celebration every year. It's the day we praise Jesus for his victory over sin. It's the day we give him thanks for paying the price for our sin and for all he endured on our behalf. The day when Jesus threw open the doors of eternity and invited us into intimate relationship with him. And this year, 2023, it's the day some of us are going to commit to not settle, to continue to seek greater intimacy with Jesus. While for others, this Easter is the day you bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord for the first time. And for still others, today is the day you stepped up and were united to Jesus in baptism. Praise the Lord for this Easter as we stand in awe of his powerful love and his amazing grace, he is risen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for so much. Lord, thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. But Lord, it, it, I, I, I can't believe, it's so hard for me to believe, it's so hard for me to recognize, but it's true that that all of this you suffered was not because you just needed me to be your servant. Not because you just needed me to do some stuff for you, to, that you were so desperate for worship that you had to have me there and sing your praises. Lord, your word tells us that the rocks would cry out if I won't. You don't need me. But you did all of this. You died for my sins. Lord, you suffered for me. And why not so that I could serve you, but so that I could be in intimate relationship with you? Lord, every one of us in this room and around the globe have been created. We've been knit together by you in our mother's wombs. You know us intimately before even a word is on our mouth, before our first cry. And it's because of that, that intimate knowledge of us, that you come and you give your life as a ransom for us to show your deep love for us so that we could have an intimate relationship with you that is ever growing more and more deep. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to continue to go deeper with you. Help us not to settle. Lord, I pray that you would challenge those who just know you but don't have an intimate relationship with you. Lord, that you would draw them in. Challenge them to give up on the things of this world and choose you instead. Lord, come, speak to our hearts. I know you already have been in many of us. Continue to do your thing. Continue to reveal to us truth. Continue to show us ourselves. Lord, allow us to have a Thomas experience where you are standing before us and we can see your face and the love coming from your eyes as you invite us into deeper intimacy with you. Lord, thank you for who you are. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and following. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Church, happy Easter. Glad you're here. We've got lots going on. Parents, go find your kids. The rest of us go get some food. I'm going to go change for baptism. It's going to be oh great. I serve a risen Savior.